Here's a spell to be. Here's a spell to be. Here's a spell to be. Free. In which B stands for Behold. Behold is the spell we cast for ourselves every time we draw a tarot card in response to a burning question, or chat to a psychotherapist or someone who focuses on us in a caring way. Sometimes, when that card is drawn again and again, we might be able to behold and acknowledge aspects of ourselves and that other participant in the relationship that we hadn't acknowledged before. I am just a man Tipping on wire Tightrope walking fool Balanced on desire I cannot control These ever-changing ways So how can I be sure The feeling will Always change with everything I am is yours. Everything I am is yours. Which is how it is for me and the Two of Cups a card that has steadfastly accompanied my anima through its getting overness, a card I keep on drawing in relation to the koan of relationship, and maybe, perhaps so that I can behold this once, twice, thrice, for three is the magic number, maybe this is something that is also core to all relationships. I certainly think so. What is it we behold when we first meet the Two of Cups? If you don't know the card, have a quick Google of it online as you listen. The Two of Cups shows us a fool, maybe even that archetypal fool who we find at the start of the tarot pack gaily traipsing off some unseen ledge with his faithful doggy daemon prancing by his side. It certainly looks like the same character who I recently devoted some early episodes to on the podcast. He's certainly wearing the same clothing as that archetypal fool, the same flowery tunic and yellow stockings. His beloved is dressed in flowing robes the colour of sky and snow, clothing that we associate with the high priestess of the major arcana. If these two are a couple, if they are lovers, we might ask, how are they so, and why? A fool with a high priestess? Surely that can't work. But maybe it can. High priestesses sometimes have a soft spot for foolish magicians or magical fools, especially those fools who have something in them that yearns intensely for the numinous. The holy fool, we sometimes call these creatures. So these two might look or sound like an odd couple, but on this card, the Two of Cups, they make sense in some way, balancing each other out. The Two of Cups echoes the sixth card in the Major Arcana, 
that of the lovers who stand somewhat gormlessly waiting for an angel with its hair on fire to weld anima to animus. The angel's hairdo reminds us, well, it reminds me, of that burning bush which once spoke its I am what I am revelatory message to one of my forefathers, Moses. In every sea, there's a mouth of a river where waterfall riches flow down. The man looks at the woman as if to say, Here I am. I am yours if you want me. I offer my focus, my devotion, my life force, including some of its lava-like anima outpourings. There is a volcano in the background on this card. I offer this as a compliment to your leafy and fructifying knowledge of birth and death, beginnings and endings. And maybe if we both work at it, we shall in time be brought into the sanctified embrace of that higher power we call love. Brief glance to the angel of Eros with his hair on fire. Why do they cry? No one knows why. The two trees on the lover's card also map onto the anima and animus polarities of our intertwined souls. The anima, in its life-giving state, is all about love, sacrifice and emotion with the capital but also sometimes melodramatic, L-E-S, which is lovely when delivered in the quantities we like, but sometimes it is delivered in quantities we don't particularly want or need or like, and then we become too much. My anima is often too much in the realm of Eros. Like Carl, I sometimes feel powerless against this anima. And what is worse, I too am just a little bit in love with it, so that all I can do at times is marvel, but also mope at its fuck-uppery energies. In every mouth there's a word of forgiveness that melts all the eyes to the ground. Why do you sigh? I don't know why. The animus, as you may have understood by now, doesn't have this sloppy emotionality to it in the slightest. For the animus is all about logos, about shaping experience and relationships, as well as other people. This is why the high priestess, when possessed by her animus, can sometimes manifest in the guise of a manager, even an emperor or a sort of chairman of the board, Logan Roy eat your heart out, who suffers no fools and takes no shit. Communications sent through the animus are often very formal and clipped, terse and businesslike. If the anima is the master of moods as well as moodiness in the male-identified psyche, writes John Sanford. The animus is master of opinion, conjecture and presumption. To counter the anima's characteristic neuroticism, the animus typically expresses itself in judgments, generalizations, critical statements and apodictic assertions. 
I had to look up that word apodictic. It's a bit difficult to say, which means something like clearly established and beyond dispute. As in, is what it is, do take it or leave it. communicates a problem as it sees it, any alternative framing is viewed as childish or foolish nonsense. But of course the anima is just as blind and willful and pig-headed as its animus counterpart. When emotions are running high, it often bombards the chairman of the board with its elaborate labyrinthine ideas and fears, which unsurprisingly animus finds beyond its pay grade to even acknowledge, let alone respond to. histrionic anima, this is how the animus often views anima expression, will often be subjected to a form of gaslighting and ordered to get itself rectified or fixed by a third party, such as a shrink or some other moral authority. There is no space or time in the relationship for passions running high. The only way to express disagreement is through muted deliberation and consultation. Unlike the lover's card, the Two of Cups shows us a post-honeymoon couple negotiating remittances and recompense in order to vouchsafe the continuance of their love bond. Sex and the excitement of that once shiny new relationship represented by the phallic mountain in the background of the lover's card is no longer sufficient reward for staying together. Instead of the tree of life and knowledge, the shared goal is now a more domestic, shared abode in the countryside, which we see in the distance, behind the, the lovers on the Two of Cups card. No longer does a wish-fulfilling angel with its hair on fire hover over the lovers' heads, but rather a winged lion who brings to this negotiation a caduceus, which is to say a short, blunt staff entwined by serpents, which has existed in our culture for anything up to 6,000 years. Hmm. Wikipedia. The caduceus is often carried by the Greek god Hermes, the messenger god, protector of travelers, thieves, merchants and orators. Hermes moves quickly and freely between the world of mortal conditional love, represented here by the cups. Love is proffered when each beloved contractually delivers and withheld when they don't. In Roman mythology, Hermes is known as Mercury, the name derived from the Latin merx, connected to merchants, merchandise and commerce. In this Two of Cups relationship, the exchange becomes a list of desires to be met and love turns into a logistical arbitration or transaction. I will continue to pour care and concern from my cup into yours, but only if certain key criteria are met. If not, farewell, okay? The key word in coming to terms with the anima and the animus is relationship, writes John Sarno. Anima and animus are archetypal figures, 
which mean they do not simply go away and disappear from one's life, but act like permanent partners with whom we must find some way of relating, no matter how difficult they may be. But relationship makes all the difference. When a figure of the unconscious is denied, rejected or ignored, it turns against us and shows its negative side. When it is accepted, understood and related to, its positive side tends to appear." End quote. That's right. In time, we can come to not only tolerate but even love, believe it or not, our lovers anima or animus but only if we make space for these parts of ourselves in the relationship itself, rather than exiling them from our interbeing. The second time I draw this card, I see things slightly differently. This time, the fool is not only holding on to his precious cup, but also reaching for the cup of his beloved. This is the anima-led, emotionally greedy fool, the fool as addict who can never get enough of his favorite drug. We all, I believe, become somewhat addicted or certainly dependent on our partners, no matter how boundaried we start out. Managing this dependency is, of course, one of the skills of a good relationship. My anima, as is often the case, is sometimes a very needy creature, which unfortunately, particularly if you identify as a man in our culture, is considered a terribly unattractive trait. The Two of Cups I now behold on the second viewing as an indictment of my sometimes over-needy neediness. As Jung admitted over a hundred years ago about his over-needy and annoying neediness, I am also drawn to it, as I am drawn to the neediness of my anima as she manifests in the not-I, in the you of my beloved. I love to be needed, and I'd like in turn to be able to need. I also like, to some extent, my anima's holy, unmacho vulnerability, excitability, earnestness, sentimentality, and unadulterated schmaltz. And like Jung, I can sometimes only marvel at the extent of its bullshit and blarney which it often spouts in pursuit of insight. Oh, for fuck's sake, Anima, why can't you chill, is what I often want to say to it. Well, at times it can't. Even now, don't you hear it in my voice? What is a podcast, I ask you, if not an Anima-driven project? hold once more a very different picture to my early dealings with the Two of Cups. The fool once again is just about to grasp for the cup of the High Priestess, but seeing the resistance in her eyes, that apodictic resolution in her bearing, he withdraws his hand and steps back. There is no requirement now for us to share anymore the contents of our cups. Why should there be? 
and she is not willing to let him see into the vulnerable depths of her cup anymore. A kind of self-individuation, which can sometimes get confused with an impenetrable self-validation, has now occurred. The interbeing of the relationship that was is now sundered. There is a kind of hapless magic to this moment too. One large foam ball of unity is pushed into the clenched fist of a magician, and when the hand unclenches palm up, two smaller but wholly single foam balls roll out of it and disperse in separate directions. As they were before they met, unknown to each other, strangers once more, they will soon be swallowed up by the emptiness of time and distance. It is at this point, I guess, that we might truly declare the spell to have worked. We might, at this moment, even believe ourselves to have finally got over the other person who we once thought or hoped we would never get over, wanting to both live and die in their embrace. We see the trick, if that is what it is, that has been played on us by Eros the sad and strange game of lover's leapfrog, choreographed by a god that doesn't know our names, nor cares one bit for our enduring contentment, congeniality, or composure. Don't leave me waiting 
myself to me Feel like you can wait another one, and you're slowly giving up on everything. Love is gonna find you again. Love is gonna find you. You better be ready then. You've been kneeling in the dark for far too long. You've been praying for that spark, but it hasn't come. Well, I'm calling to you, please get off the floor. A good heart will find you again. A good heart will find you. You better be ready then. Tethered to a bird of sorrow, a voice that's buried in the hollow. You've given over to self-deceiving. Your prostrate vow would not be leaving. You've squandered more than you could borrow. You bet your joys on all tomorrow for the hope of some returning. Well, everything around you is burning. Come on, we gotta get out, get out of this mess we've made. And still, for all our talk, we're both so afraid. 
Will we leave this up to chance Like we do everything Love was gonna find us again Love is gonna find us We better be ready then Tethered to a bird of sorrow The voice that's buried in the hollow You've given over to self-deceiving You prostrate vow but not believing You've squandered more than you could borrow You bet your joys on all tomorrows For the hope of some returning Well, everything around you is But I'm not leaving you here I'm not leaving you here I'm not leaving I'm not leaving I'm not leaving this river life You need to think like a bull And go with the tide And I know where you've been Has really left you in doubt Of ever finding a harbor Figuring this out And you're gonna need All the help you can get So lift up your arms now 
and reach for it and reach for it and take your time babe it's not as bad as it seems you'll be fine babe just some rivers and streams in between You and where you want to be and Watch the signs now You'll know what they mean You'll be fine now Just stay close to me And make good hope Walk with you through everything da 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 take your time babe it's not as bad as it seems you'll be fine just some rivers and streams in between You and where you want to be And watch the signs now You'll know what they mean You'll be fine now Just stay close to me And make good hope Walk with you through everything A song of good hope Walk with you through everything